Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to another edition of the programme, John Paul is taking your calls this morning at 1850-333-103, text and WhatsApps already up and running and texts already coming in, uh, which is uh, which they're always so welcome to 862-103-103. Let me start with a text that has come in from uh, Heidi and this ties in with something I mentioned when I was talking with Ken when I was teeing up the programme in the last hour. We were talking about Christian uh, Eriksson, the young Danish footballer and what happened to him on the football pitch over the weekend and out of that I think has come how important it is to have CPR skills and how important it is to live near or to have particularly if you're doing any kind of training to have a defibrillator near you but of course in order for somebody to move in with the defibrillator we need to have somebody present to be able to do CPR to keep the person alive until either somebody comes with the defibrillator or the medical professionals arrive well Heidi says uh, Patricia I'm hearing and seeing on TV in the UK that they're trying to get people to learn CPR and, and obviously this is after what has happened to Christian Eriksson the young football It appears children in Finland have it as part of their lessons in school. It may be a good idea to do that here also to get people interested in learning, especially for people who live in outlying areas. Just a thought. Thank you for that. And actually somebody, the the day after we were talking about what had happened to Christian Eriksson, somebody else made that suggestion that why don't we include it? And not certainly for primary school children, but someone was suggesting that we should bring it into the secondary school schools and make it a kind of a compulsory lesson in secondary schools so that by the time young people do their leaving cert and leave secondary school another skill they would have would be that they would be able to do CPR and you know we would train them and they get some kind of a certificate on leaving school and I was even tossing around ideas and saying wouldn't it be great for perhaps that we could have it as part of the transition year because in transition year they do so many other different things outside of academic work and wouldn't it be a great skill and then this morning just going through the papers the Irish Independent have a gorgeous piece about a little girl named Zoe Coffee, and there's a gorgeous picture of her doing CPR on a on a little 
it's a doll, but it's a special doll for training for CPR, obviously, that adults would use to train them in how to do CPR if a small child, God forbid, their heart uh, stopped. And it seems little Zoe Coffey is the youngest member of the Irish Red Cross and she's been learning CPR for the past year and a half. But the really interesting thing is Zoe is only four. She'll be graduating from preschool this year, so she, this week. So she'll be heading to big school in September. And she recently joined the Irish Irish Red Cross at her local branch in Clane in County Kildare. But the reason that she's joined that branch in Clane in County Kildare, her parents, Lisa and Adrian, are long-term members of the Red Cross. Actually, her parents are both originally from Limerick. The Red Cross has played a very important part in their lives because they actually met at a first aid class in Limerick back in 2005 and obviously out of that their relationship and their love blossomed so from a very young age they got involved obviously as teenagers I'm assuming they got involved in the Red Cross and then they both ended up marrying they both had a passion for the Red Cross so when they moved to County Kildare they got involved in the Red Cross there and the mum Lisa said Zoe's interest in learning CPR came she said from watching her mother and her father uh, doing it. And isn't that children pick up and learn from what their parents do? And unfortunately, they pick up the bad habits as well as the good habits. Uh, Lisa, the mum, said she's always been around it. She's always been going for little spins in the ambulance or learning how to work the siren. She goes out with her daddy when he has to do maintenance job or there's any kind of a thing going on in the community where the Red Cross is uh, required. Now, whether she'll follow in the parents' footsteps remains to be seen. But I imagine if she's already trying to develop these skills at a young age, I think she will grow up and it will just be very natural for her to stay on as a member of the Red Cross. Now, her mum said she varies from wanting to be a firefighter to being a member of Vanguard Siakona. Other days she wants to be an ambulance driver. And then, of course, there's always days where little Zoe wants to be a princess. And every four-year-old little girl at some stage dreams of growing up to be a princess. They said that when Zoe, initially, she just thought that the mannequin was an ordinary little dolly. But when she started pressing on it, they decided, look, we might as well show her how to do it and how to do it correctly. They say she figured it out pretty quickly. Quickly. They haven't gotten into too much detail about it with her because at the end of the day she is only four but she does know if somebody isn't breathing she knows how to start the compressions. Isn't that incredible? Lisa said it was important for children to learn CPR skills so that they become part of their consciousness and then if God forbid something happens in you know, years to come when they're out and about with their friends they won't panic They'll know what to do. They'll know how to stay calm. And she makes the point if Zoe, as a little four-year-old girl, can learn it, it's not a scary thing. She says anybody can uh, learn it. It's just, it's lovely. It's just a little story I picked up on today. And then when I saw Heidi and her text, and maybe it is something that could be introduced into all of our schools or into in somehow into the curriculum and I didn't realise that they actually teach it as a lesson in Finland so thank you for that 1850 let me go to an email in on something we touched on yesterday when we were addressing the topic of littering uh, Mary says Hi Patricia listening to your discussion on littering and littering on our beautiful beaches I got an inspiration for what could be a solution to the problem Most people, especially children, like to be rewarded for good behaviour. So in this age of modern technology, it should be possible for manufacturers to fit bins with some kind of a digital device 
whereby you get a point system. A point is rewarded every time you dispose litter into one of these bins. What can happen is the responsible citizen can insert the loyalty card into the machine that will be attached to the bin and they would gain points. Rewards could be given when a certain amount of points are earned. I'm sure the system would help reduce the amount of littering but the more, more importantly it would train children when very young to be civic minded. You are sincerely uh, Mayor yeah, and I'm sure the technology is there. It kind of sounds to me something like the technology that's there in, I know the Scandinavian countries do it for the bottle returns and the can returns. You pay a deposit in most of those countries when you're buying glass bottle or if, and I think it's for plastic bottles as well. And then you bring them back to either the shop where you purchase them from or there's various machines dotted all over the country and you feed your bottles and your cans back into this machine and then you pop in your credit card and you get credit back onto your credit card for the amount of bottles and cans you return. So that will be that kind of uh, technology. And I know when we were only talking uh, yesterday with the Climate Action Bill uh, coming in and we were talking about littering and what the government are trying to do to try to, to, try to stop the littering. I mean, they are talking about a uh, the latte levy that's back up on the table again that's why every, every time you buy a disposable coffee cup you'll be charged for it again the idea is is to try to deter people from always using the disposable cup, coffee cup or to bring your keep cup again there's been much talk about why not go back to the good old days and the way we used to do it when we remember as children when you had the glass bottles and actually children got involved in that because there was an incentive uh, for all of us as children to get the money back on those glass bottles maybe we need to return to that as well but we do I think we do need to start l- thinking outside the box a little bit because as was, we spoke yesterday with Councillor Audrey Buckley and we also heard that the County Mayor Mary Lennon Foley said you know they're putting all of these programmes in place on behalf of the council and they seem to be falling on deaf ears so we need to look at other models and maybe incentivising people, maybe Mary is right, giving rewards to people. Maybe that is the way to go and maybe we will get through to people uh, and in some way to help them stop littering. And then a text in nice and early this morning saying, Hi Patricia, everybody has been encouraged to holiday at home this year, but in my belief, we're getting absolutely ripped off. The price being charged for takeaway coffee now is a disgrace. Yesterday I got a cappuccino and when I got it into my hand I was a little bit disappointed to see that the cappuccino was only the 8 ounce cup which was the smaller cup but what shocked me more was the fact that I got charged €3.50 for what I deemed was a small cup of cappuccino. How can they justify what they are charging? When we were last on a foreign holiday we were able to get a bigger size cup of coffee for well over a euro cheaper. It came in a proper cup and you were able to sit at a table on the premises. Haven't these places got overheads too? They are, there are pop-up vans now all over the place doing teas and coffees and hot chocolates and it's a disgrace what they are charging. Take care. Thanking you and everyone draws comparisons like that when you get charged something. People will always draw a comparison. When I was on holidays in Spain, I got, you know, whatever it was, a meal and a bottle of wine and coffee afterwards. And it was always much uh, cheaper. I mean, certainly I know businesses will say cost of doing business in this country is much higher or taxes are much higher or overheads are much higher than they are in other countries. But people hate 
when they feel that they are being ripped off. And I do think sometimes for a cup of coffee or for a cup of tea, sometimes it does seem very expensive how they can justify the high prices. I, you know, used the example on Monday, uh, one of the meals that we had out when I was on my staycation last week. It was at a lunch meal and we were just having decided we'd have two cups of coffee at the at the end of the meal. And uh, it was when the bill arrived and I noticed I think it was eight euro for the two very small cups of coffee. And I did kind of feel that that was a bit of a rip off, you know, whatever about going in and just having a cup of coffee and taking up a table. But we just had a really nice meal. The three of us, there was, you know, some wine consumed. And you're thinking, I'm paying enough for this meal. Do you really have to fleece me by putting an extra eight euro for two very small little cups of coffee onto the end of it? But anyway, that was that was the one where I did feel was a little bit of a rip off. But I think always when it comes to teas and coffee. Somebody else, when we mentioned that on Monday, was saying that they asked for an extra pot of boiling water to add to the tea. You know, the tea got a little bit strong and they wanted an extra pot of boiling water and they got charged 20 cents. That kind of thing drives people insane as well. Good morning, Patricia. I think parents also need to take responsibility when it comes to teaching their children skills. My son is eight. I had a mini stroke two years ago in his presence. We all got such a fright and to this day he still talks about it and worries what if it was to happen again. So I decided to teach him emergency numbers, what to do, what to say. But I also sat him down and taught him CPR to the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Everyone can Google how to do CPR and you think of that song, Staying Alive, Staying Alive. And it's done to the beat of that song. I've seen that before actually on on YouTube or something uh, and hopefully nobody will ever have to use it but it is a good skill to teach children you can teach it in a fun way I mean it's like that family with that little girl Zoe Zoe doesn't quite understand why she needs to do this uh, to somebody but she knows that if somebody's heart stops that these are these are the chest compressions that she needs to do you don't have to make it very morbid or very very frightening for children but you know we're coming up to the summer holidays and parents will be looking for things to do with the children maybe that is something so the song is Staying Alive from the Bee Gees and if you just Google how to do it to the beat of that song uh, you should get all of the information online. Thank you for that. 1850 333 I knew the minute I mentioned somebody getting ripped off for the price of a cup of coffee I would get some texts in. Somebody says whatever about coffee prices hotels have gone crazy in Ireland. I was looking to go away in July. Mad prices are wanted for people to stay to have a staycation no thanks uh, hopefully next year we'll be getting out of Ireland says a listener and I don't know are many others finding that as well have they managed to book somewhere have they managed to get it for a decent uh, price and of course some will say oh, should the hotels were always that, that price it's just that you're staycationing for the first time you're discovering that hotel prices are more expensive here than they are abroad it's what we need is direct comparisons is somebody who say booked somewhere last year and then even is, is last year an even fair comparison because last year we were in the middle of staycations uh, as well uh, Hi Patricia I paid €9 Euro yesterday for a bowl of soup which I have to say was absolutely delicious but 
There was very little in the bowl of soup. I asked them, could they fill it up? After all, you want to get value for your €9. And do I take it that they did fill it up and that you didn't have to pay extra €9 for a bowl of soup? Sounds to me a tad expensive as well. John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, alopecia is an autoimmune disorder that often results in unpredictable patchy hair loss, but it's a condition that it's often not spoken about. Well, my next guest is trying to change all that. And last May, she started an Instagram page at Chloe's Hair Affair. Chloe Sheen is from Dunamore and she joins me to share her story of living with alopecia. Uh, good morning to you, Chloe. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're, you're very welcome to the programme. And I have to say, and I want to say this at the start for fear I forget about it at the end, I've seen your page, I've seen your videos online. You are absolutely a stunning looking young woman with hair, without hair, with makeup, without makeup. So I just want to get that out there at the very oh, start. You're, you really are. You're, 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 you're so just, you've got, your beauty just shines through on those videos. Now, it was, I need to go back to February of 2017. You were at the hairdressers getting your hair done and tell me what happened this is how you first found out that she had a little bit of a bald patch yeah so basically I I used to get highlights in my hair and I was getting my highlights done sort of every kind of 8 to 12 weeks and as I was getting them done my best friend is my hairdresser and she said to me you know you have a small little patch at the back of your neck um don't worry about it. You know, she said it's a little bit dry and I thought, right, okay, it's probably just a bit of dry skin. Kind of thought nothing of it and, and she carried on and then I went home that night and I started to get the mirror to the back of it and I started taking pictures at the back of it and I started to panic, I think, when I saw it. When I heard about it, I was saying, oh God, okay. But when I actually saw it, I panicked a little bit and it's funny looking back on it because... You know, it was so small. It was about a five cent coin. And I was panicking about how many times I'd worn my hair up. Who had seen it? Oh, my God. What did they think of me? You know, you know, hypothetically. But, um, yeah, so from there, it spread. That patch actually spread across the back of my neck. And it spread up behind my ears and a little bit over my ears. And the whole time that it was spreading, um, I could hide it. I cut my hair up short to make it a little bit thicker. Um, I I kept getting my highlights. I, I was able to hide it the whole time. And then come kind of June, July, it had stopped falling out and it actually started to go back. So that September, the hair actually was about an inch long in all the places that I was missing it. And it was healthier than ever. And, you know, it was, it was, everything was great. I you know, was laughing that I came out on the other side and I had panicked over such a small patch. But then as time went on, um, that that November I came out of the shower and I never I never used to obsess over checking my hair once it grew back because I was afraid that if it ever looked a little bit thin I would let my mind, you know, wonder. But I just I just left it. But one day I did notice it was a little bit thin and I went searching and having a good look and 
I saw it had gotten thin in a few spots, so I kind of left that. And I think it was my next shower after that, about half my head of hair came away in the shower. Um, and from that point, so it had started to fall again that November. And that December, then I could no longer leave the house. So the first time it happened to me, it was really slow and progressive. And the second time, it had just gotten so extreme, I couldn't hide it. I was just left stuck in the house with, you know, extreme hair loss at that point. Did you go to your GP and then I'm assuming a, a dermatologist, is it? Is that where you go? Yeah, so I went, actually when I found the small patch, I went straight to the GP. And she referred me on to a dermatologist because it's the dermatologist that actually, um, they deal with the scalp as well, but they actually give you the diagnosis because there are so many different forms of alopecia. So I had gone to the dermatologist, but there's a very, very long waiting list in the Republic of Ireland to see a dermatologist um, privately or publicly. But I got in in the space of about two or three months um, and she confirmed that it was alopecia areata. And, you know, she did speak to me and say, you know, it's a very um, unpredictable disease. It's, you know, a very spontaneous disease, you know, which which she was being straight out with me, but didn't give me much hope. However, it grew back. It all grew back that time. So I was saying, you know, okay, I had put it all to the back of my head and I had kind of, put that chapter to sleep and said, you know, oh my God, I had a desperate few months there, but I overcame it. And But little did I know, you know, I didn't end up in any wigs at that point or anything. But then at the end of that year, then everything drastically changed, you know, in a very short period of time. And and, and I know you, you have no way of definitively knowing why you got al- alopecia. And, and I think it's the same for everyone. You do have a theory in that you were getting some gyne treatment done and you you think it may have been linked to that in some way yeah i mean that's that's a self-diagnosis i think everyone will you know try and search and find for something because although it is spontaneous i still feel like something has to trigger it yeah um and you know i was i was getting some um gyne things done and you know, they were fine. I felt fine about it. You know, I knew I was well looked after. Um, the the gynecologists and the nurses were amazing. You know, I felt fine. But I think it was just my body, my body's way of reaction. You know, I probably should have sat down and said, you know, took it in a little bit more. But I, I just kind of took it on the chin and just kept going through it. And I probably should have slowed down a small bit. Um, and just because of the time frames of everything, that to me was my trigger as my self-diagnosis um you know and I, because I'm in this community a lot of the girls I do talk to have had you know some sort of gyne issues um I know no no one will ever hold their hands up and say yeah it is related to that but you know it's just one of these things as well that and, and you'll ne- and you'll never know and you that's exactly. the other part of it you, you you'll never know yeah. so you get to this stage the end of that first year and yeah. and you said you couldn't leave the house yeah so the the hair loss had just gotten so bad and it had started on my eyebrows which made me then look really really sick um and. I, I had nothing to cover my head. I did leave the house uh, once or twice at the start with the hat on, but I, I looked extremely ill, even though I wasn't. It was all external. Um, and then, of course, 
you know, losing that much hair in that short period of time, you know, caused a huge strain on my mental health. Um, so that, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't kind of carry on for more than an hour and I'd burst out crying. If I forgot, you know, about it, if I was making dinner or something and I'd forget for a little bit, I'd remember then and it would hit me like a ton of bricks and I'd burst out crying and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't sleeping because I was losing the most at night. Um, you know, when I woke up in the morning, a lot of it was on the pillow. I was losing yeah. it a lot in the shower and um, going While to sleep. sleep. And, yeah. yeah, so you dread it. Was, Do you dread it going yeah. to bed to go to sleep because what will you find uh, in the I morning? And did it. you, and the fact that you say, you know, you, you kept, you were almost a prisoner in your, in your own home. Did you share it with, with friends? I, uh, I did. I did. I shared it with my close friends, um, my my family, my parents and my brother. My my parents are fantastic and I have a very small um, extended family, so we're all quite close. I shared it with all them and my partner who I live with and lived with at the time, you know, was, was well aware. Um, but that, that was about the extent of it. I was sharing it. I was sharing it. I'm quite an open person and I was sharing it to all my family and friends in hope that Someone would say, you know, I know someone who knows someone who had this and they did that. But, you know, just sharing it to my family and friends really got me nowhere. It didn't, it didn't extend it out enough. And I was struggling big time because I, I love research and I love, um, you know, trying to get to the bottom of things. And I was doing phenomenal research and reading all these studies. And I saw so many doctors because I'd read up one thing and I want to check it out and I saw so many consultants, doctors, you know, um, homeopathy, the whole lot. And every time I sat in front of them, I felt a bit deflated because everybody would say, OK, try this, try this, or this should work, or this won't work. Or, But I'd look at them and, you know, they'd say, try to sleep and try to stay calm and try not to feel bad and all this. And then I would just look at them and I'd say, well, this person, I know they're trying to give me their professional opinion, but they really have no idea what's going on. I knew that they couldn't understand it. And I knew that although I had an amazing support system, none of my family or friends could understand it because they hadn't lived through it. You know, it was it was very personal to me. And that's what made it even more of a challenge because I knew no one who had it. I knew no one who knew someone who had it. Mm. I had no one to talk to who could who could fully understand. You know, the closest I could come to someone understanding was someone who was struggling with their mental health. But they were struggling with their mental health probably for completely different reasons. For very reasons. different reasons. Yeah. And yeah. people are, like your family and your friends are great. They can, you know, they can offer you all the tea and sympathy. But it's somebody who has walked a mile in the same shoes that you're walking in. That's who you exactly. need to, to interact with. And that's the reason that you set up the Instagram page. Yes. Yeah, that, that, was, that was tough. I, I was saying, you know, I mean, like a social media, I'm, I'm a huge fan of social media. I think it's absolutely fantastic. But at the time, I had my worries about it. You know, there was some, you know, online bullying going on around the world and, you know, keyboard warriors. And I was saying, you know, I'm really putting myself out here now for a lot of criticism here. You know, I was really putting myself out there. But I suppose it's only when I got comfortable with Instagram, I got comfortable sharing my story and I saw all the benefits of it. I realized, you know what, it, it was worth every bit of it. So I was a bit apprehensive. But I just kept in my head, I kept saying to myself, Chloe, this is not for your benefit. This is to benefit the next Chloe. And, you know, the the girl that I needed when I was stuck in the house, 
you know, having my dark days, the girl that I needed, I I wanted to be that girl for someone else. You know, and the reaction, the reaction from when you went public on Instagram? Phenomenal. Oh my God, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, even the reaction even from Joe Soap, who lives down the road, has no hair loss, has doesn't know anything about hair loss, even their reaction to say, you know what, well done, I now know more about hair loss, you know, if it ever crossed their path, to the women, the men, the moms, the kids, who actually suffer in silence day to day, just being able to, you know, drop me a message on Instagram, they don't, I don't have to hear their voice, I don't have to see their face, you know, they're very well protected, you know, it's a very safe, and private place for them, you know, it's a safe place for them to come. And, you know, a lot of the time it's, hi, Chloe, you know, I'm struggling with my hair loss. This is my situation. They might tell me how long they have it and how bad it is or whatever. And sometimes it's just me saying, oh, my God, that's awful, you know, um, blah, blah, blah. That alone, without giving them any advice and without diving into it, with that alone of them writing out that message and sending it to me is a whole you know, weight off their chest and that that alone is a fantastic therapy in itself. Yeah, and even, even just for you to say, yeah, I remember I had a very similar day or I remember a week where I felt exactly yeah. the same way, that would give such comfort to, yeah. to somebody else. Yeah. And you, you've, you went down the whole wig route and there's such, and wigs have come on so much, haven't they, in recent oh years? Oh my God, they have. I, I mean, this is one thing I do say to people and I don't really say it to anyone directly but I do harp on about it on my Instagram because I don't want anyone to feel pressurised but I am really that's the biggest regret I have is that I didn't get a wig sooner because when I lost my hair I lost my identity and I, I, I couldn't leave the house I didn't know who was looking back at me in the mirror I was totally freaked out and I waited a very long time until I realised, okay, at some point I have to go back to work. At some point I have to leave the house again. And then I got a wig. But then I met this whole other issue of, oh my God, I look ridiculous. I'm in a wig. That doesn't look like me either. You know, this full head of hair, you know. Mm. So I feel like if I'd gotten the wig sooner, while I was struggling with my identity anyway, I would have had to struggle with the wig. Whereas I started to feel a small little bit better, like I was ready to leave the house. Then I got a wig. And that kind of started it all again and I left it way too late I shouldn't have locked myself in, in the house you know that, that's that's your greatest regret greatest regret yeah I was not getting a wig sooner and you know they're they're absolutely phenomenal nowadays they are they're really fantastic you know I get people all the time saying who have a full head of hair saying oh I'd love that colour I'd love that style that's amazing you know because a lot of females try to hide the condition exactly what you did yeah yeah and and like it's totally fine if you know just because I talk about it doesn't mean everyone has to you know and I, I totally get why you wouldn't you know but if if you want to hide it you want to be able to wear a wig that looks completely natural and that you know people won't take a second glance at you because if you go back 10-15 years you know wigs come on so much in yeah, the face yeah. of 12 months they completely change yeah, listen, you 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 really are an inspiration, and I know, and you say it on on your Insta page as well. That it's your family and and your boyfriend Declan. You know, yeah. they're your rock, and you need that support behind you as well. A hundred percent. Ah, you do, you do. Yeah. And look, even for people who don't have that support, it's a case of just going on social media. There's a massive community 
of us. You know what I mean? You'll find the support somewhere. People who can just understand you. Okay, so it's at Chloe's Hair Affair. Listen, continue continue. good luck to you and well done on the Insta page. It, it really is inspirational. But thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today. Thank you so so much Patricia thanks a million good morning to you bye 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 really enjoyed that that's uh, Chloe Sheen uh, Chloe's Hair Affair is, is where you'll find her on her Instagram uh, page well worth uh, checking out 1850 John Paul taking new calls Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie very worryingly the pandemic has seen a sharp rise in the number of calls to a confidential national helpline about domestic abuse of parents by their own children. To discuss calls received by Parentline, I'm joined by their CEO, Aileen Hickey. Good morning to you, Aileen. Good morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. What, what are we talking about here? Anger and aggression directed at parents by their own children. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's child-to-parent violence, essentially. Um, so it's it's violence, any sort of violent behaviour um, or abusive behaviour that's being directed as a child uh, to a parent in their own home. So, you know, I think most people, when they think about domestic abuse, you know, they think about it as being partner to partner, you know, almost in a kind of a um, a romantic relationship or, or obviously not gone romantic at that stage. But, um, but actually, child-to-parent violence, forms a huge part of domestic violence because obviously domestic violence is anything that takes place in the domestic setting which can include child-to-parent violence. Now, you know, when we say child-to-parent violence it doesn't necessarily mean it's your 15-year-old young fella throwing, up against, throwing his mother up against the front, you know, against the fridge door every night of the week. It does encapsulate a lot of other behaviours such as verbal abuse, emotional abuse. Um, it can take in physical abuse obviously but it could be manipulation, coercive behaviours, controlling behaviours, intimidation. Essentially, I suppose, at the nub of it, it means that the parent, though, is afraid or fearful of their child in their own home. And that is not something that any parent wants to contemplate, you know, of their own child or what's happening within their own family. So it's actually, the the most difficult thing, I suppose, is that there's a huge amount of stigma and and violence and shame um, surrounding that whole area because, you know, essentially it's not something that most parents want to discuss with their own um, other family members as in their their own sisters or brothers or the siblings or or grandparents or whatever or even with, you know, their friends or the neighbours because, you know, there's there's a sense of shame and embarrassment and there's a sense of, you know, where where does it all go wrong kind of thing, Um, which it hasn't necessarily gone on because, you know, this is happening in... um, Thousands of, of, of families all over Ireland. I mean, last year in 2020, um, we saw a five parent line saw a 500 percent increase in the demand and in the delivery of our non-violent resistance program. Now, our non-violent resistance program is a program that um, we have that is there to help with child parent violence. Um, and uh, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of awareness now in the all program. Um, and as I say, so our, our um, demand and our um, delivery of the NPO program went up 500% last year. Goodness. But so far, you know, this year, uh, you know, what we're, I mean, first of all, I will say that across the board, Patricia, you know, our calls have gone up. So in the first three months of this year, 
Is that, um, sorry, it, is that as a direct result of the pandemic? Do you reckon you've seen an increase well, in growth? Well, you know what? I, I, I think you can't put everything at the, at, the, at the door of the pandemic. I mean, you know, I mean, certainly a huge amount of it is. I mean, you know, because I suppose the pandemic did create a pressure cooker kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, lockdowns and, you know, and everybody stuck in the one house. Oh, 100%. And loss of routine and loss of structure, you know, and parents trying to you know, homeschool or supervise homework and, you know, while being, you know, still asked to do everything else, you know, so they were school teacher, they were counsellor, they were sports coach, they were, you know, they were the COVID police. You know, so there's been a huge amount asked of parents over the last, um, you know, year, year, year and, year and a half now at this stage. Yeah, year and a half coming into this stage. So, you know, so I, I, we're seeing that across the board. So as I say, I mean, our calls were 40% last year on 2019. Doesn't but, surprise me. Doesn't but, surprise but it's actually much, but, but even but this year, they're, they're, they've gone up significantly again. So, you know, we've just done our figures for the first three months of this year, that's as in January to the end of March this year. And our calls in comparison to the same period last year, the same period in 2020, our calls are up 126% of where they were uh, for the first quarter or, you know, for the first three months of uh, 2020. And I, and I will say, you know, we've kind of looked at figures kind of along the way. I mean, at this stage, it looks like by the end of June this year, which is the first six months of the year, we would have had more calls to the line than we had for the whole of 2019. Wow. So our calls, because, and, and this is, you know, now this would be parents who are accessing the helpline for all sorts of reasons, you know, that could be... Yeah, it isn't just abuse. That it's, people, it's not no. just anger and aggression. Anger yeah. and aggression um, and, you know, child parent violence takes up about, at, at the moment, it looks like it's about 35% of our calls. Uh, about 15% of our calls, interestingly enough, were specifically mentioning COVID-19 as the main reason for the caller, for the parent ringing the helpline. And, you know, when, when you say COVID-19, you know, that, that could be, you know, parents who were concerned about their children, uh, about their children's activities in terms of, you know, you know that, that their children weren't maybe abiding by the lockdown rules. You know, it's very difficult for parents to be there and, and to be the COVID police all the time. But, you know... And it, teenagers it, want to be teenagers. They want to be out well, and about with their friends. You know, and, yeah. and, uh, social interaction is a huge part of any sort of, you know, connectivity. is a huge part of, um, it, you know, of, of any teenager's life. Um, so, but, you know, but I suppose the parents were very concerned, I suppose, particularly in those first three months when, you know, of the year when, you know, the vaccines hadn't been rolled out and the parents were worried about their children maybe not abiding by the restrictions or maybe displaying some antisocial behaviours um, and of, you know, over-socialising. So, as I say, 15% of our calls in the first three months of the year were specifically uh, mentioning COVID-19. But as I say, I mean, our calls across the board, I mean, we, we, we would get a significant amount of calls on, on school refusal. Um, they, that's about 12% of our calls. Now, interestingly enough, the calls on school refusal went up when schools were not even physically there, when children weren't even physically going to schools, because school refusal doesn't mean that, you know, you're refusing to go into a physical school building. School refusal can just mean that, you know, sometimes it can be difficult for a parent to get, again, you know, their teenage child out of the bed. To, to go sit down in front of the computer for the platform. Zoom call. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, you know, and... and they just hold up their feet on the floor. You're not sure if they're on the Zoom call. And or. Aileen, for those parents, as, as you say, you know, I'm still trying to get my head around, you're living in a house where you would be afraid of your, your son or it can be your, your daughter as well when someone when a parent like that rings and probably for the first time they're reaching out and they're reaching out because you are a confidential helpline never spoken about it before what advice can you give them? Well I mean I suppose the first thing I'll say is we, we try not to give advice we don't give advice we, we try and stick with you know, support and information and guidance I mean as I say we, we do have this fantastic programme the Nonviolent Resistance Programme um, 
and it is specifically for parents who are in fear of their own children, you know, in their own home because of violent and abusive behaviours directed at them. It, it, the programme supports parents basically t- to change the way that, that they deal with the violence and yeah. aggression. A lot of it is about a re- your own response, a parent's own response or reaction to the behaviours that are being directed at them. Because, you know, to be honest with you, you know, all teenagers and all children know exactly what buttons to press and, you know, normally yeah, parents so react true. the same way time and time again. And, you know, we're, we're, you know we, we all fail there or, or not so much fail there, but we all do that sort of thing. That's how you react. Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, so this is about kind of taking a positive action but to change your own reaction to what is being uh, you know, exhibits at you. Okay, but the, me- the message we want to get across is that, you know, reach out and speak to somebody because it's it's important that you share it uh, with somebody. And ParentLine is available uh, 1890 experienced, highly trained volunteers, the most fantastic people that you're ever going to come across um, on a helpline and, you know, busy and old we are, you know, they are there and hearing us for help, you know, the the sooner things will improve. Okay, well done. Well done. Aileen, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Aileen Hickey, who is CEO of uh, Parentline 1890-927-277. Or if you want to ring the Dublin number 018733500. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. There's a beautiful text came in just there before news at 11. It's to it's to play a birthday request for a very special lady, Eileen O'Donovan. Uh, good morning to you, Eileen. Eileen is in Father O'Flynn's place. Now, where's Father O'Flynn's place? I know there's a Father O'Flynn's place in the city. Is that where Eileen is living? Anyway, and the message says that Eileen loves the programme and she always listens. So that's good to have you along, Eileen. But Eileen has over 30 grandchildren and great-grandchildren that she always prays for. But this text said she also prays for for me and for my daughter, Marcia. Isn't that the sweetest, sweetest, kindest thing to do? Thank you for that, Eileen. And God knows I could do with all of the prayers. Anyway, Eileen is going to be 91 tomorrow and I've been asked to wish you a very happy birthday. So happy birthday, Eileen O'Donovan, father of Flynn's place. And uh, lots of love and best wishes coming into you, no doubt, with 30 grandchildren and great-grandchildren you're going to be spoilt tomorrow Teresa Gay Mary Claire and Gabriel sending in that text wanting to wish you all of the very birth happy birthday for tomorrow Eileen O'Donovan father of Flynn's place and then we were talking about alopecia in the last hour and a lovely chat with uh, Chloe Sheen who really is inspirational and I love what she's doing on her Instagram her Instagram page where she's you know put up this page and she shows herself warts and all if you go on to her Instagram page at Chloe's hair affair you see her she's done she's done Instagram videos without makeup and a lot of young people today who particularly those that become social influencers they would not be there's no way they would see, be, have a video of themselves without full hair and, and makeup but she wants to get across that beauty is more than hair and makeup and she is she happens to be stunningly beautiful anyway without hair or makeup but just the bravery in some of her posts really really got to me when I was looking at some of her videos uh, yesterday she really is uh, an inspiration and will be an inspiration to any other young person who ends up going through what she has been living through since 2017 to find out there's nothing you can do about it but you're losing your hair is really dreadful. But uh, listener says, Hi Patricia, I lost all my hair uh, due to cancer 
back in 2014. I now have a lovely head of hair. Fantastic. I know it's hard. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Stay positive and all will be well. And that's from Geraldine from uh, Bantry. Thank you for that, uh, Geraldine. And good to know your hair has come back and that hopefully life is good good with you now. Okay, lots of calls still coming in about staycations and costs and charges. And, And people are feeling that we're being really ripped off this year because we have in many cases no other choice but to stay in holiday in this country. Some of your thoughts coming in, Frank, in for Moy on the subject of staycations. I thought the government were talking about bringing in a subsidy scheme to encourage people to holiday in Ireland this year. Has that scheme been introduced yet? As it would surely entice more people to holiday at home, where the prices have taken a huge hike in many of the popular tourist destinations. Kind regards, says Frank in for Moy. Well, Frank, I mentioned it yesterday. They are talking. Well, it was certainly the Fianna Fáil party was talking they're talking about introducing some kind of a a staycation scheme but it's not going to be introduced until September. The idea being that hospitality will be busy enough through June, July and August and they reckon at the back end of the summer season that's when the hospitality and your restaurants and your hotels and your B&Bs are going to need a little bit of an extra lift. So for that reason, the scheme that they're talking about introducing won't come in until September. Now, what has been mentioned, now nothing has been set in stone yet. What has been mentioned is there would be some kind of a voucher scheme. They won't do what they tried to do last year with people claiming money back from revenue, which really just didn't work at all. It's going to be some kind of a voucher scheme. But what's been mooted and spoken about at the moment, it will be voucher schemes for, say, retired people, people on low incomes. They'll give it to certain groups of people and the idea will be you'll get a voucher and then you'll go either to a hotel, a restaurant, a B&B or whatever and you can give the voucher in off the cost of your of your bill. So it is been spoken about but no, nothing has been introduced yet. As soon as we hear and get any more detail about it, we certainly will talk about it here on the programme. Uh, somebody else says, the that girl who contacted you about the price of a cup of coffee yesterday is so right. This country is robbing Ireland. It is disgraceful and this, this is from the girls in Drumahan who feels that it's happening everywhere. It's all over the place. We are being ripped off the prices we are being uh, charged. Tim in Yall says, I would like to reply to the people who are talking about being overcharged for coffee. Please acknowledge and express what is happening out there with regards to the cost of everything that we're purchasing in this country at the moment. This is Rip Off Ireland. The difference with the current situation in the past with regards to being ripped off is you're now meant to feel grateful for being ripped off for the fact that you're being given a service. Staycation should not happen here. My advice is go abroad and get the value for your hard-earned money. As for coffee prices, as long as the coffee girls are supporting these rip-off businesses, we'll all be victims. So says Tim in uh, y'all. Hi Patricia, I have... Uh, oh, no, sorry, that's on, a, that's on a separate one. I'll get to that one in a minute. Does the stick on people feeling that they've been overcharged? What... what why are, are we being charged so much for a bed and breakfast at a hotel? Even midweek, €120 was the midweek price for a double room in the west of Ireland. I feel this is crazy. That would work out at over 1000 for a week's B&B, allowing for the weekend. That doesn't count in meals. You'd have to have two meals out every day of the week. They must be 
getting a huge percentage of profit because I certainly don't think the poor staff are getting it. The staff are get, are working to the grindstone and they do it for a pittance and it is very hard work. They should be made more accountable for their prices. We would all like to holiday in our homeland but I feel looking at the prices it would be better to stay at home going abroad. It doesn't appeal to me not with everything that's going on with the pandemic. So there's somebody trying to get value for money but not able to find it. Some of your calls into John Paul. Elaine says, I agree with your earlier texter. I feel staycations and hotels are really expensive this year. We're looking for a family break in either July or August. But even looking at the midweek prices, we simply can't afford it. We've been quoted anything between €1,000 to €2,000 for between three and four four nights. I just feel that is too expensive. It certainly is more expensive this year than it was last year. And by the way, I know my prices because we've stayed in Ireland for the last four years because we've got a very young family and babies. We're travelling with a four-year-old and a one-year-old, so prices certainly have gone up this year, says Elaine. Judy in Mitchellstown also agreeing with previous callers that everything has gone up. It's more expensive to stay in Ireland this year than it was in previous years. But I don't think, says Judy, we can compare our hotels to hotels in Spain or indeed other countries like Spain. Our hotels are much more luxurious and they offer a lot more then the comparison, say, when you go to a hotel in Spain, well, in many cases, when you go on a Spanish holiday or any of those package holidays, it's into a, it's into an apartment you're going, isn't it? It's, it's self-catering. So it people are not comparing like with like. People need to remember that, says Judy. And then on eating out, Donna in Canturk says, I decided to treat myself and my friend. We headed to the city yesterday to do some shopping and to have a bit of an eat outside. Now, we have already dined outside in Canturk and I'd like to say a big well done to Bob's Bar in Canturk. Kanturk, the staff there, so friendly and everything was done so well. In the city yesterday, we felt the very same. We found we got great value, no more expensive than what we would have expected uh, to pay. Myself and my friend, we were tra- We have young children uh, with us. We went to, to Dwyer's, had a lovely meal there. Then we went for a quick non-alcoholic drink on the way home. We were in Reardon, sat outside in the sun and it felt so good to sit outside in the sun. I must say, all of the staff at Bob's in Ka- in Ka- Turk and in the both places that we called into the city yesterday were friendly, they were courteous, they couldn't do enough for us. So I feel, says Don in Canturk, eating out that we did get good value for money. So, it's, so I tell you, people, some people are saying good value for money, others are saying not. 1850-333-103, we spoke about CPR and how important to know how to do CPR and we're talking about it with regard to children and should we be teaching it to our children in our schools. Jane in Mallow says all American schools teach their students how to do CPR. It's part of the curriculum. Wasn't aware of that. So it is certainly been done in other countries. Why can't we do it here? And then Anne was on to us to say my daughter just got a call this morning claiming to be from Angarda Siakona saying there was fraudulent activity going ahead. Luckily my daughter knew immediately it was a scam call 
all hung up immediately. It came from an 083 number. Well, the Gardaí, thanks for that, Anne. The Gardaí are actually warning people to be wary. This is the latest phone fraud and it is, it's an automated scam call and this is a new one because this particular, it's exactly what Anne's daughter got this morning. They are letting on that they're from on Garda Siakona and that it's, this has come out in the last few days. Garda Siakona have been receiving reports. It's an automated scam phone call where the recipient is called and it's advised via this recorded message that Angarda Siakona is investigating them in relation to suspicious activity linked to their PPS number. In order to rectify the situation the recipient is then asked to press a number to speak to somebody further in relation to the uh, matter and then obviously the scam call will begin from there. The, now the Gardaí say that they are being led to believe that it is mainly coming from an 087 prefix. But Anne said her daughter, the number that came up on her daughter's phone is 083. So it could be from any number. But it does look like when you pick up your phone, it does look like that it's coming from an Irish mobile number. And I don't know. And, and, and I know I'm not the only person I was talking with. Actually, my daughter-in-law, I was only talking with over the last few days and she was saying as well that she'll never answer a call from a number that she doesn't know and that if somebody who really wants to get through to her they can leave a message and then she said she called them back and I said I, I do the very same thing but actually because of that she had got a call from her GP who needed to speak to her and because she didn't recognise the number and they didn't leave a message she didn't she obviously didn't know the GP now she ended up getting a letter and it was all okay but and the doctor said I tried to call you and then she realised that that missed call was from so we, you can miss out on calls as well and that's why I would suggest to people if you are ringing someone who your number is not in their contacts I would always suggest to people leave a message so that you can identify yourself because there's so many of these scam calls doing the rounds I certainly never answer a call from a number that's not in my contact uh, list and I've been doing that for uh, quite some time but the Gardaí are urging the people to spread the word about particularly about this new one because they, do, they don't want people to fall victim to it and they again reiterate if you do believe you've fallen victim to any of these scams you need to as quickly as possible contact your financial institution but they also want you to report it to the Gardaí I think people get embarrassed when they get, when they get caught out now with these scams but you need to report them and the Gardaí are advising people to not engage with any of these callers uh, do not return, the, return a call to any of these numbers do not fo- follow any of the automated instructions and then obviously you never disclose any kind of personal or financial uh, information and if you have a smartphone of course you can block uh, the number and the latest advice follows a recent warning from Gardaí about an increase in scams and only on this programme we were talking at the start of the month about an incident that happened in North Cork last month where a woman got a phone call from a man now he was claiming to be from a broad broadband provider and he got her to download an app it was to help increase the speed of her broadband and of course she did it and she then entered her bank account details and within minutes three and a half thousand euro was taken out of her bank account so you just need to be so careful but that's the latest one that is now doing the rounds you'll pick it up and it's an all you can't speak to the person when you answer the call it's an automated message they may even leave that automated message 
on your phone and when you hear it, it they're claiming to be from Garda Shikona it's not on Garda Shikona you're not being in, investigated for fraud uh, do not engage with them 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Cabinets of Charleville, they've got vacancies for fully qualified, experienced motor technicians now at both their Charleville and Mallow branches. They also are looking for a vehicle body repair technician for their body shop facility that's based in Charleville. Full-time permanent chefs for all grades are wanted. That's for a busy hotel in Kinsale. While CE positions are available on the Blarney District CE project, they are particularly looking for groundskeeper, caretaker and environmental workers. And a teleporter driver is wanted to work in Cork City and the surrounds. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, Cork County Council's architects have been asked to do a Dermot Bannon on it and come up with innovative ways to use limited space in one bedroomed local authority owned houses to allow visitors to stay overnight, highlighting the need for one bedroomed homes to be more visitor friendly is Fine Gael councillor Gerard Murphy who joins me this morning. Good morning to Gerard. Good morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Thank do you, you. Do you believe many people living in these single bed units want to be able to facilitate a visitor to stay over the odd time? Patricia, I think that the necessity could arise for anybody, particularly elderly people, living on their own, that they would need a carer or a relation or a friend to stay over them overnight when they're not feeling well. Or indeed, uh, a relation that's living far away from them to come and keep a little bit of company with them now and then. Uh, I, I, I'm not asking for a huge situation here. I've been at this now for about 18 months. I originally asked for uh, that we stop building one-bedroom houses and we build two-bedroom houses, uh, but the department uh, seemed to reject that idea. Uh, but there is no doubt that in the uh, paper uh, produced by Dr. E. e. McCovney uh, for uh, homes, age, age-friendly homes, they suggest that even a box room or an adapted facility to accommodate uh, a person uh, could be done quite uh, efficiently and uh, at a very low cost. It makes absolutely no sense not to have that facility uh, at this point in time. Um, yeah, even a simple one of a grandparent having a grandchild come and Correct. stay over on a Saturday night to spend the night with granny or granddad. Yes, uh, it may, would make a huge difference. And as well as that, you have... Uh, some situations in rural areas where the family might might have moved uh, to Dublin or Cork or England and they might want to come home just now and then and stay in that night with their parent, uh, their only surviving parent. So it it makes total sense to provide extra accommodation. And all it needs is a small bit of imagination uh, by the architects 
uh, uh, with very little cost in order to provide that facility uh, to our elderly people. And it was, it was your good self mentioned Dermot Bannon because his latest TV show is really focusing on how you can convert small spaces, isn't it? Yes, uh, up until then I was concentrating on trying to get uh, full two, two bedroom houses, uh, but that wasn't, the Department uh, of Housing wasn't accepting that. They said one bedroom houses were sufficient in certain cases. But when I saw that program, I said, there's a way of doing this without adding enormously to the cost of building a one bedroom house. I mean, even the concept of a fold down bed, I mean, something it, as simple as that could be used, surely. It could, of course, uh, and the, the actual report itself uh, uh, makes some suggestions. Uh, it uh, basically says uh, a one-bedroom, a two-bedroom house, a box room, or some alternative uh, way of accommodating a companion. And as you suggest, there are many ways in small apartments yeah. uh, whereby an extra person can be accommodated. Do you always continue to have a big demand for single unit lets at the council? The, the demand is huge at the moment. It's huge uh, from the point of view of two issues. Uh, first of all, and uh, more importantly, uh, they were originally designed uh, for people uh, getting older, living on their own, uh, and uh, who uh, some, some people live in isolated areas who needed to move in closer to the community. Uh, but recently, and in recent years, uh, there is demand from uh, uh, particularly men in this situation uh, who have been separated or divorced uh, from their family, and they uh, would need uh, some extra accommodation as well. And there's a demand there for uh, extra accommodation if their children were staying with them at the weekend. Yeah, of course, that's another group of, of people. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, uh, more and more relationships are breaking down. So there's even going to be a higher need going forward. There is. An, it can be a very difficult situation. Like if if you have a, um, a parent that's uh, living on their own uh, and they have a boy and a girl, then there is an obligation on the local authority to ensure that there's proper accommodation and proper separations available uh, in, the, in those circumstances. And are the council, you have been providing more single bedroom homes in recent years, haven't you? Oh, we have. Yeah. Um, uh, you see, basically the council makes an application to the Department of Housing uh, for what they consider is their housing need. Uh, the Department uh, obviously think that there is see uh, a housing need for uh, one bedrooms, but uh, I think that's a very narrow concept, and it needs to be broadened out to at least facilitate some sort of alternative accommodation within those houses. And when you raised this issue at council level, what reaction did you get? When I raised this originally at council level about eighteen months ago, it was resolved. Put on to the Special Policy Committee on Housing. We discussed it at length there and we took a decision that we would uh, try to avoid building one bedroom houses. But when that uh, actually 
uh, arrived in the department, the department uh, rejected it, saying that there was need for one-bedroom houses. So I saw this as a way around the department regulation uh, that we could not maybe extend the size of the house uh, and put extra cost on taxpayer, but by being innovative and by uh, looking at the things uh, like the architects do, uh, like Dermot Bannon does when he's looking at that, that we could achieve the same situation uh, within the square footage that we already have. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, I don't think it's going to cost a huge amount of money to the council to to adapt what they already have. No, I, I think. And we have very good architects in Cork County Council. And that's why on this occasion, uh, the matter has again been reserved to, uh, uh, sent on to the housing SPC. And I have asked that the council architects get involved with the Special Policy Committee uh, to see can they come up with a real and practical alternative to the problem. That It should be quite obvious to everybody that it's uh, a reasonable thing to ask and, a re- and that there is a reasonable solution there. Okay, well done, well done. We'll follow this with interest, uh, Gerard. Yeah. In the meantime, thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, North Cork Fianna Councillor uh, Gerard Murphy. And uh, I imagine there are a lot of people in that position who are in a one-bedroomed local authority home and would love the idea of being able to be in a position to accommodate somebody staying over, even the simple one that I mentioned, like a grandchild to stay over. But I mean, Gerard is the more serious one. What if a carer uh, needed to uh, move in? So we'll we'll keep a close eye on this and see what the architects uh, come up with. And we have, you know, Gerard is right, we have great architects at Cork County Council. Let's see if they can do a Dermot Bannon on it. 1850 Actually, that new Dermot Bannon programme, uh, All on the Small Spaces, is in- incredible. The the imagination that people have and the lengths that people go to and what they can manage to achieve in a very small space. There was one last week I'm, I'm, I always miss at the start when I'm usually, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of chatting at the same time as the programme's on and you're concentrating on something else and you're trying to watch the programme at the same time. But it was a small little, what looked like a little cottage from the outside and then when you went in, now I, they are architects as far as I know, the owners of the house, but when you went in, how they had opened up the space, it was just mind-boggling and I love any of those spaces when they open them up and they're filled with light and of course anything with, with if you've Dermot Bannon involved in anything he's mad into putting light into all spaces well it's uh, it's but so yeah I think the Cork Architects if they could do a Dermot Bannon on some of our single unit houses that we have already and see if they could be accommodated so that somebody could stay over if somebody had a need for a visitor to uh, join them now Breed in Kilworth can anybody give suggestions to Breed please she's looking for an emergency dentist who can look after her she is now she is described as knocking a good bit off her tooth. Oh, she's contacted her own dentist, but unfortunately her own dentist, and I'm shocked by this, can't see her until October as they are fully booked booked out. She's willing to travel to Mallow or anywhere in North Cork. She said she even go to Cork uh, City. Now, I don't know if anyone can suggest a dentist. If they're, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming unless dentists are very busy, so I don't know how many, how many of them are listening to us. If there was a dentist listening who would be able to oblige and to help out. What I would suggest, Breed, you do, it'll, it'll, take, it'll probably take you some time, is to 
is the still a phone book or Google dentists in the area I'd start ringing around and see I was, would always have been of the belief that while dentists are very busy obviously at the moment and they certainly have been restricted because of COVID and they're able to take on less patients and I know certainly when I've been to the dentist you know the there's gone are the days where you'd sit in the waiting room and there'd be a group of other people. That doesn't seem to happen, happen at all. It seems to be kind of one in, one out at the dentist's practice of late. So they are kind of hampered in how many appointments they can take on every day. But I would always have thought that every dentist every day would at least have a space for an emergency appointment. But so I'm really taken aback that your own dentist who you've been attending says that they can't see you until October. And where are we at in the middle of... June. That's a long time to wait, particularly with, as Breed has described it, a good bit of her tooth has broken off. And do I take it it's at the front? Whatever about if it was at the back, but if it's at the front, you'll actually be able to see it as well. So my suggestion would be to ring around all of the dentists and see, can you get somebody who can take you in? But in the meantime, we'll give it out and see what other listeners did. Have other listeners had that same issue where you've ended up with an emergency like that, where a part of the tooth has broken off? Obviously, you're not in pain but there's a part of the tooths come off uh, what, what you think that uh, Breed and Kilworth should do 1850-333-103 and Mike and Bantry wants to know is the post delayed and I know this came up again on Monday somebody was on to us that they, they had received post or Tuesday they were on to us they had received post and they had luckily contacted the hospital and they would have missed an appointment because the letter was delayed in the in the post and I, I can't honestly say that I, I've noticed the post is delayed and I suppose it will depend on what area you're in and how busy that particular area is with post but I know because it got flagged on the programme on, was either Monday or Tuesday, it got flagged on the programme. My sister has a birthday on Saturday and she's one of these ones, she's, oh, she never forgets anyone's birthdays and your cards always arrive in plenty of time. So I didn't want her to be without a birthday, my birthday card to her on her birthday. So I posted it yesterday morning and lo and behold, this morning I had a text from her to say that my card had arrived. So that was within 24 hours. That was next day delivery because normally I wouldn't have been posting it until day, today to arrive for tomorrow for the birthday on Saturday. But I got it out a day early, but it was there within 24 hours. So I honestly, hand on heart, can't say I've personally seen any post uh, delayed. But again, it'll just depend from area to area. But Mike is in Bantry and he's wondering, has anybody else noticed post being delayed in the Bantry area? 1850 today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie Just in breaking news Stephen Donnelly the health minister has just announced that 35 to 39 year olds can register for a COVID-19 vaccine from uh, Sunday the registration will open on Sunday for 39 year olds 38 year olds on Monday and so on down along so the 35 to 39 year olds will be first there'll be a bit of a gap and then it'll be open for the 30 to 34 year olds so if you are 39 from next Sunday you can register for your COVID-19 vaccination now we are going to McCroom Garda station uh, for this week's uh, Crime File where I'm joined by Garda Orla Daly good morning to Orla Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the programme. Now you want to start, there's been unfortunately a few incidents of break-ins, thefts and criminal damages. We're going to start with burglaries. Yes, so Patricia, between the 4th and the 8th of June at Kappa Kinsale, a new house near completion was broken into. A washing machine and dryer was stolen and any information 
can sail Gardaí on 021-477-9250. Be much appreciated. And again, between the 9th and 10th of June at Ardfield, Clannacilty, a house was broken into through the front window. In this instance, a handbag was taken. And any information there, it's Gardaí in Clannacilty on 023-8821-570. Okay, from burglaries to thefts. Yeah, there have been a number of thefts as well over the division the last few weeks. In Ginnugala overnight on the 27th of May, electric gates were damaged and two farm gates were stolen. And a few days later, on the 1st of June, a farm mower and a work tool were stolen from an open-air barn in a farm in Mill Street. Again, any information on these crimes would be appreciated to Mill Street Gardaí and 029-70002. The Gardaí have received many reports of people leaving handbags and wallets, Patricia, phones also after them and returning to find them gone. So it is very important that people keep these items on their persons at all times. On the 4th of June, a wallet was left in the counter of a bank in Bantry and again was gone on return when the owner noticed they had left it behind. Similarly, on the 5th of June, after a person enjoyed outside dining at a restaurant in Glengariff, they finished their meal and left, forgetting their handbag. Again, when they returned, the handbag was gone. So any information on these crimes to Bantry Gardaí on 027 208 and on the 10th of June, Patricia Walsh was taken from an unlocked car overnight in Coolfather in Bandon. And similarly, on the 14th of June, at 2pm, a laptop was taken from the boot of an unlocked car in King Street Car Park in Clannacilty. That's incredible. Those last two ones again were looking at unlocked cars. People just yes. keep, t- were so trusting, I think. And people just seem to forget that not everyone is as trusting. Absolutely. And again, it is important that we lock our cars at all times, whether that is whether it's parked outside our homes or whether we're outside or in a public area. It is important to make sure your car is locked. And any items of interest to criminals or anything valuable shouldn't be on display in the car. OK, criminal damage has been reported. Yeah, there was a good few reports of criminal damage um, as well over the last few weeks. Cars damaged overnight in car parks and green areas, as well as windows of holiday homes. Um, targeted the Cape Clear, Coachford and Emma Street. Homes should be well lit up with sensor lights which may prevent such damage from occurring and we would also recommend house alarms, CCTV installation to prevent crimes from occurring. Okay, now you want to talk to us uh, a little bit about fraud because unfortunately, and we do our best to try to keep reminding people about fraud but it's just, it's still going on almost on a daily basis. Yes, Patricia, it is. It's going on on a daily basis, as you said. And online fraud is becoming more prevalent um, each and every day as it goes by. And we are receiving more reports of criminals utilising different means to try and ascertain bank details from whether it's individuals or from businesses. So again, it's very important to remember, don't give out your bank details to anyone. Always check the source of the email or the text or the call. And do not click open um, emails you do not know. And there are six most common types of fraud in Ireland, and I'll just quickly go through a few of these. The six most common types are payment card fraud, invoice redirection fraud, CEO fraud, email fraud, which is also known as phishing, which you may have heard of, mm-hmm. phone fraud, otherwise known as vishing or smishing, and advanced fee fraud. And as our time is limited, I'll just briefly discuss three of these, Tricia. Okay. However, information can be obtained on the www.garda.ie website in relation to all of these crimes. So payment card fraud. 
This type of fraud involves the use of stolen or counterfeit payment cards to make direct purchases or cash withdrawals. It also includes the use of stolen card data, so the information from your card to buy items over the phone or via the internet. So again, we're reiterating that you should keep your card, your bank card, in a safe place at all times. Do not leave it lying around. And if it is lost or stolen, please report it to your bank. Keep your PIN safe. Keep your PIN private. Do not write it down. Do not keep it with your card. And again, don't give it to anyone. If you are expecting a card or a PIN in the post, and if it does not arrive, notify the card issue immediately. Um, Sign of any new cards. Sign any new cards as soon as they arrive from your bank, and ensure that you cut up old cards and discard them. Cover your pen when you're in the shop making purchases or using the ATM, and keep your card in sight when paying for goods or services at all times. So the second uh, type of fraud I want to speak to today about um, Patricia is email fraud, and it's otherwise known as phishing. And this type of fraud involves criminals making contact by email and it can take a number of forms. The email, the email may appear to be from a reputable company. However, when you click on the email or the link within the email, malicious software or malware is downloaded onto your computer or your device. And it allows the criminals then to um, track your activity and identify any personal or bank details that may be on that device. Um, so individuals and companies can be victims of this type of crime. In other cases, the criminal uses temptation as a means to extract money from you. Pretending that you may have inherited a large sum of money or um, and at the end of the day, what they want to do is you to, pro- to provide bank details to them in order for them to get monetary gain. Again, so don't open unsolicited emails. Don't respond to um, any unsolicited email seeking personal financial or security advice. And don't click on the links to the attachments in the unsolicited email. And if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Yeah. So if you piece. believe the yeah, if you believe the email is from a genuine source, make sure you verify this um, independently. Um, and um, independently means independent of the, the sender of the email. Um, independently verify any requests from inform- information and never use the contact details supplied to you by the caller or the texter or the emailer. Independent means independent of the caller or texter. That's important. So do a bit of research yourself. Okay, now over the phone, either via a, a phone call or a text, and we get calls and texts in about this every single day. This is really on the increase. Yes, it is indeed. And they may pretend to be your bank or your credit card issuer. They may be pretend to be a utility company, a computer company, even the Department of Social Protection or Justice. They've been named lately as well. And basically, they're trying to engage in conversation with you so that they can trick you to hand over your personal banking or security information. Again, for monetary gain. They may also convince you to make a money transfer to them or inform you that you have won a prize, which is quite common. And you may need the same money to release it. Again, so their intention is to use this information to commit fraud against you or other parties in your name. Okay, so I suppose, again, we're always always saying no to unsolicited callers or texters seeking private information about you. And your private information, Patricia, would be your name, your address, your date of birth, your family details, bank account details, 
PIN and password. Independently verify any request for any information and never use contact details supplied to you by the caller or texter. The caller may already have some information about you, so don't trust them because they use your name or other personal information. On guard as you call or your bank will never look for the banking pay number or password or ask you to transfer money or come to your home to collect your payment card, checkbook or cash. And I was speaking earlier because we had a call in about the, the latest uh, scam that's doing the rounds is claiming to be actually from Angara this year corner. It's one of these automated messages telling uh, somebody that there's um, they're investigating you and they want you to click on the on the, the link, uh, etc. And I, I was making the point to people that if, if you do get caught out by these scam artists, because they are good at what they do, to not to be embarrassed about it. To, first of all, you need to get onto your financial institution, but also... Um, or report it to the Gardaí if you have been caught. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose we have seen that, Patricia, that people are embarrassed by handing over money to, to these fraudsters or being caught out. So yes, we would reiterate it's very important that you, you report it to your Gardaí and don't be embarrassed. Okay. Okay? You wouldn't be the first person to be caught no, out. No. And a lot of these emails, a lot of these um, companies you know, they display it in such a way that it looks very genuine. Okay. And we're aware of that. So Good. it's important to come to us. Good yeah. words of advice, uh, Orla. And of course, the Guard the Confidential uh, line at one eight hundred six 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 one one one. if anybody can help with any of the crimes that we have mentioned. Orla, listen, thank you for that. Have a good week thank and thanks for joining us. Good morning to you. That is Garda Orla Daly, who is based at McCroom Garda Station. 1850-333-103. We need to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. It is Thursday, so Jane Pickett, our resident Invest will join us if you have a question for uh, Jane. Get it into us, please. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. C103 have teamed up with Sky Broadband because they are bringing lightning fast speeds up to one gigabyte to homes across Cork under the National Broadband Plan. Can you follow Can you follow my lead? Sky Broadband Ultra Fast will connect families to more of what they love by enabling them to simultaneously download, stream and share content without interruption. We got this rhythm. Can you follow my lead? For more info, click the link for Sky Broadband Ultra Fast on c103.ie. The portal for the 35 to 39-year-olds is going to open if they are looking for a COVID-19 vaccine next Sunday, as they've done with the people in their 60s, in their 50s, in their 40s, as we predicted they're going to do it the very same way for the 30 to 39-year-olds. So the portal will open at uh, hsc.ie or the 1850 number, 1850 24, uh, 1850. That's... uh, from next Sunday for the 39-year-olds. Monday then will be the 38-year-olds' turn. Tuesday the 37 and down it will go to the 35-year-olds. Then they'll probably take a couple of days break and then we'll be making the announcement that the portal is open for the 30 to 34-year-olds but it kicks off with the 39-year-olds on Sunday. If you are a 39-year-old you've got the opportunity to uh, register. And actually a study has come out that now in this country we have, and it's great when it comes to the vaccine, we have a lot of people very accepting of the vaccine 
vaccine and a lot of people understanding how important these vaccines are and how important it is uh, to try to get to grips with this pandemic and it's, it's our way out of this pandemic and of course we know we're all not safe until everybody is safe and that's why it's so important for us to make sure that vaccines are going to third world uh, countries and there still has to be a lot of work done there but in this uh, this country here in Ireland we have been particularly good when it comes to coming forward for vaccines there's very little vaccine hesitancy now there is some vaccine hesitancy I'm not saying that there's absolutely none of course there are going to be people who won't get the vaccine and you know that's it is within their rights uh, not to get it but I was interested to hear a study that has uh, come out which has shown that the people who are likely to be vaccine hesitant are the people who don't follow a lot of news coverage. They're the people who have a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness either about COVID-19 and then obviously the knock-on effect is they have a lack of knowledge and a lack of awareness of the benefits of the vaccine and it's the the ERSI. They did a behavioural study and they looked at people and they went around and interviewed people and it was the people who had little or no knowledge of the vaccines, they are the ones who are less likely to be inoculated. And that's why it's so so important that if you do meet with somebody who is vaccine hesitant, to try to talk to them and try to steer them in the right direction of where they can go to get the information. Because I think if you're armed with the information and if you go to the correct websites and get the information, I think for the majority of us, we see how important these vaccines are. So, and obviously the nature of what we do on this programme, trying to keep up to speed and trying to impart as much of the correct information as uh, possible. I'm a bit obsessed with anything to do with vaccines and have been, I think, since the start of the pandemics. But last night, there was a cracker of a programme on BBC and I don't know how many people saw it. It was one of these, you know, these Horizon specials that the BBC uh, does. It was a 90 minute film and it was simply called The Vaccine. It was on BBC Two last night at uh, nine o'clock and it was incredible. Uh, they basically what they did was, now a lot of it seemed to be with handheld uh, cameras and through interviews over Zoom. They basically got the people that were involved in discovering the vaccines and making the vaccines. They basically filmed them literally from the very start. Some of them were being filmed right from the very early days back in December in 2019 when, you know, they discovered that there was this this virus coming out of Wuhan and you got to see like the first doctor who happened to be a doctor in Wuhan. He did the sequencing. They, they knew that they had a problem. They knew that they had this new pathogen and he was the guy then who did the sequencing and then he released it globally within days it went out to five continents and to all of the virologists around the world so that they could get, get to work but the programme very much showed that they, they were waiting for something like this to happen so their preliminary work had already been done so for the virologists they just needed to get the sequencing for the coronavirus so that they could start to come up with some kind of a vaccine and the programme last night really showed how all of these incredibly gifted scientists from all over the world, they pooled all of their knowledge. It was like it was a harnessing of intellectual might and they all got together and then they were able to produce a vaccine and they condensed all of that work into a matter of months, something that normally if they were working on their own would have taken decades. But it was all of that brain power uh, together. But it was it was really brilliant. And there was one for me, one, there was a number of female scientists, I have to say, were, were involved in this and they looked at all of the different continents and all of the different countries. You know, they looked at 
how the Pfizer vaccine was discovered, the Moderna, how the, the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca one. But the, the AstraZeneca one, obviously that came out from Oxford University and it was the minute I said, that woman has an Irish accent. It said, I'm, and I must check out more about her. One of the leads from Oxford University was a virologist by the name of Dr. Theresa Lam and she's a, one of our own. She's, she's Irish and she was at the, the forefront of producing the AstraZeneca vaccine. But it was, if you saw it last night, you'll know it. It was just incredible. But as I say, it's on the BBC. It's uh, Horizon, the vaccine it was called. Don't know if it's available on Catch Up or not, but they often with those programmes, they'll repeat it again. So keep a lookout for it because it was certainly well worth watching. But it just showed how all of these scientists, the work that they, they put in and then getting it out to the trial stage and getting the people to come forward to act as volunteers and then waiting and they had that wait to see if it was working or not and you couldn't help but feel sorry for the Australians they followed the Australians who were working on their vaccine and theirs when it got out into the trial stage they they hit a problem and because of that it stopped and they, so the, it was the, the Australians were the only ones who didn't get their vaccine uh, across the line and the investors obviously then pulled out and they withdrew uh, and you just couldn't help but feel sorry for the lead guy in Australia who was working as hard as all of the virologists and the scientists around, around the world so they were the only continent not to get theirs over the line but a really really good uh, programme but and you know when I watched it I sort of felt because one of the vaccine hesitancy you'll hear one of the reasons you'll hear is people saying oh they got that vaccine out very quick vaccines normally take you know many many years how do they get it out so quickly and the one thing if you sit down and watch this programme you can see how and why they managed to get it out so quickly because everybody worked uh, together uh, it was a, a brilliant, brilliant uh, programme and well done to everybody involved in the BBC and Horizon for coming up with that programme last night. Now, I mentioned earlier one of our listeners, Breeding Kilbert, was on. She's knocked what she did. These are her own words. A good bit off her tooth and she's trying to get it fixed. She rang her own dentist who can't see her until October. They're completely booked out. Is willing to travel anywhere in the North Cork area. She'd even go into the city. And I was looking for suggestions. My suggestion was to sit down and start ringing around various dentists. But a couple of our own listeners have gotten on top of it. Somebody says, uh, Hi Patricia, I have a very good dentist at the Black Rock Clinic. Uh, Eric Cotter is his name. I did an emergency very similar last year and he looked after me. That's from Anne. Thank you for that. Anne, that might be worth it. That's the Black Rock. Uh, clinic and then fair juice to Margaret in Tallow. Margaret rang a dental practice in North Cork where five dentists are working to see if they could take on uh, Breed and they said no they couldn't see her until September. Margaret said she was really taken aback. I think the best thing Breed can do is to actually sit down and just go through every dentist in the area and plead her case and hopefully someone will be able to fit her in or even get on a kind of a waiting list for a cancellation. She might she might even be able to do something uh, like that. 1853 Some questions coming in from Jane. Uh, if you can keep those uh, coming in to us, please. That's the pet uh, questions. We've been talking about people trying to go on a bit of a staycation and people are being, are kind of taken aback at some of the costs that they are being asked for accommodation. Here's one. Hi, uh, Patricia. We looked to rent a house. Now, this is a self-catering house in Kilkey in August. We were quoted €1,600 for the week. What happens if it rains? You're stuck indoors, lighting fires and doing what you would be doing at home. Nada. So we declined the €1,600. I don't know how many many people sleep in the house because I know 
I went on a staycation. This would have been pre the pandemic and it was up in Muff in County Donegal. And we, I found a house, but it slept 12 people and it was €1,200 Euro for the week. As I remember breaking it down, saying if you were doing it individually, it would have worked out at €100 Euro per person for the week. And it was fantastic. It was a huge house. It was just a huge house. And I remember at the time thinking that the 12, while the 1200 might have sounded like a lot for a house in Donegal, but the fact that it slept 12. So I don't know how many people can sleep in that house in, in Kilkee, but 1600 does sound uh, expensive. 1850 Steve says, Hi Patricia, might be a bit off topic to everything else that you're talking about this morning, but maybe you or some of your listeners might know. Has anybody ever heard anything about the results? A number of Mallow councillors were looking for Greencore to convert the old sugar factory in Mallow and make it into a biofuel plant. There was great hype about it a few years ago and then the topic seems to have disappeared and we don't hear anything about it anymore. Why is biofuel being disregarded now as an alternative to diesel? Surely it's something we should be investing in. It would create lots of eco-friendly jobs and it would be a new clean fuel. Instead, the government seems to want to import from a mine in China for lithium for batteries and then they'll swamp the earth with another poison once the batteries are spent. Just a thought. Thanking you. And that's from Steve. Yeah, I haven't heard anything mentioned about it in quite some time. And there was a huge, huge talk about it at one stage. And, you know, as far as we knew, people were looking at the plant and it would would, would seem because it's, I mean, I haven't, I don't know what's, has anyone been out in the old uh, sugar factory? I'm assuming it's just tumbleweed blowing through it at this stage. There were so many talks about, remember at one stage a Kildare style shopping village was being mooted as a possibility for it as well. But I do remember that. I do remember it being spoken about as possibly being a plant to produce biofuel and biofuel is 100% at the way to go going forward. If anybody knows anything about that or uh, any other has heard anything about it, let us know please. 1850-333-103 And earlier on the programme today we had lovely Chloe Sheehan who was on talking about her own journey living with alopecia. And I made the point that she had started off this fantastic Instagram page herself. And the main reason that she did it was to help other people who end up in that position that they end up losing their hair because of alopecia because she said at the time when she got her diagnosis and her hair, her hair started to fall out in 2017 she felt there was no one she could turn to and she you know, she wants to offer that sort of sense of hope uh, to people and the one thing she said in her chat this morning was that she wishes she had woken up to the world of wigs earlier because she locked herself into her house because she was too embarrassed about going out with all of this hair uh, loss and she was saying now and I was making the point that wigs have come on so much now there's just they can be so glamorous and you know half the time you wouldn't even know if somebody was wearing a wig or not well that's prompted somebody to say back in the 60s the fashion was that we all the trendies used to wear wigs we'd wear short wigs long wigs plaited ones nobody turned ahead can I say to that uh, Chloe uh, to, the, to the lovely girl Chloe go girl wear as many different wigs as you like and actually I thought it was lovely when she actually said that that some people actually say to her my goodness they're gorgeous wigs I wish I could wear that hair colour because of course with wigs you can change your hair colour colour every day of the week. If you have a number of weeks, you can be a different hair colour, which you can't do with your own hair. And then Mary was listening to Chloe and she contacted us uh, to say that Chloe actually helped Mary's daughter, who has been going through something similar. And Mary said her daughter was finding it really, really tough. She said, Chloe, 
put her right on so many things which has really helped Mary's daughter in so many other ways in her life as she really was struggling. Yeah. And if you go on Chloe's Instagram page she's very honest about how she struggled herself with the initial diagnosis. And actually I saw a lovely video that she did. I don't know what the date of it was but she did a video where she sat down with her mother because she said many mothers contact her which I'm assuming something like Mary would do. Nobody wants to see their daughter go through that much pain and that much suffering because of hair loss. And thank you, Mary, for taking the time to contact us this morning. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. We are particularly looking for pet questions, please. You can text our WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative featuring over 850 places to see and and things to do. Kildare Community Development, they have got their weekly lotto draw. It is on this afternoon at four o'clock. It'll be held in Kildare Community Office and the jackpot is €2,000. And Dara Community Centre and Dara National School, they're holding a smartphone quiz night. It's on tonight from 9pm to 10.30. The quiz is easy to play. Now it'll run through Zoom, but you also need to have a smartphone and you need to download the Speed Quizzing Live app. Registration is open on the Dara Community Centre and Dara National School Facebook pages proceeds to go towards developing the school's garden at Dara National School. Skibbereen Country Market that will be in Abbey Struri Hall tomorrow from half 11 to half 1 great produce cakes crafts plants and uh, chutneys and Ballancolic Vintage Motor Club will hold a vintage car run it's in aid of the community air ambulance and it's happening next Sunday they plan to leave from Tesco in Ballancolic at 11.30 on Sunday morning Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Some of your texts coming into the programme have been asked to give a mention to the Gertha Self Help Africa charity shop. That's in Skibbereen. They have now reopened and they're opened Wednesday to a Friday. Please support your charity shops. That's the Gertha Self Help Africa charity shop has reopened in Skibbereen and another listener says afternoon I'm just wondering is anybody taking in unused pairs of glasses I've just got new ones and I've got three old pairs they're all in good state and they could be passed on to help somebody else more than willing to hand them over thanking you that's Mary in North Cork Mary I know the last time that came up on the programme uh, somebody else discovered they were doing a clear out that they had a lot of old glasses and it's hard just to throw them into the bin you, you know if you can help somebody out the last time we were told spec savers somebody said spec savers were taking them at one stage I don't know if they're taking them because of the pandemic so if you want to check in with the local spec savers and see if they're taking them in because there was a time I remember I mean I wear contact lenses now but there was a time when I used to wear glasses and I remember at my opticians this was in Tipperary they used to collect them and they went out to some African country if my memory serves me right and I'm assuming that that's what happens if you hand them in but check in with spec savers definitely at one point in time were collecting used glasses so if you want to uh, try there there are some pet questions thank you for that now a couple of 
texts in about vaccines. What advice would you give to John in Blackpool? John is getting his second vaccine next Sunday in City Hall. Uh, he's, but he has a friend who got an appointment for a vaccine, but his friend has refused it. She's one of the vaccine hesitant people and they say she's entitled to do that. But, says John, she calls to my house once a week. Do I leave her in? She won't wear a mask either when she calls. What do I do? Well, personally, for me, I would be saying, firstly, John, wait until you get your second vaccine, because when you get your second vaccine, uh, it's AstraZeneca you're getting two weeks after. So two weeks from next Sunday, you're deemed fully vaccinated. And then as a fully vaccinated person, you can have an unvaccinated person into your house. But I would be protecting yourself at the moment. And I think it's very selfish of your friend to come into your house and not wear a mask. I mean, if she's coming into your house as a visitor and it's lovely to have visitors and we don't want to be falling out with anyone. But I would just say to her, if she's visiting, I certainly personally would say I would prefer if you wore a mask, the fact that she is unvaccinated, at least until you're fully vaccinated. When you're fully vaccinated, then you will be protected at least. But until then, just look after yourself, John. You've got to mind yourself. What advice would you give to John, a friend who's refused the vaccine and caused to see John and doesn't wear a mask, what would you say to that person? Someone else says on vaccines, if people don't want a vaccine, that's fine, but could they please concentrate on those who dearly want to get a vaccine? My daughter is in one of the at-risk groups. She's been on to her own doctor. Her own doctor can't give her a vaccine. She's in her late 20s. God knows when she will get it. Oh, goodness. So she's in one cohort four or cohort seven is she because she's, if she's in an at-risk group that falls in under cohort four or cohort seven then her own doctor should be giving her the vaccine but then some of the doctors decided once they did the over 70s that they weren't doing the other categories. I would suggest if her own doctor isn't in a position to give it to her because her own doctor has decided not to do that cohort I would be suggesting she needs to get onto the HSE because we have discovered people who've fallen between the cracks where the HSE thought the doctor was looking after somebody and they weren't being looked after. So if your daughter's in an at-risk category, because if she's waiting until it gets to the age group, she will have another few weeks, good few weeks wait, because we've got to get through all of the 30s before we'll get down into somebody into their 20s. So I would be putting a call through to the HSE and plead her case and explain what is going on and see if they can get her into one of the vaccination uh, centres. And then Anne says, Morning Patricia, I've heard in recent days of of many young hairdressers and beauticians, many in their 20s and 30s, who are not taking the vaccines because of concerns re-fertility. This will be very concerning, surely, for the general public, especially as the nature of the work that they do. They provide very close contact work. They must be made take a vaccine, especially because of what they do. I think it's pure selfish. They are just thinking of themselves and not their businesses. They will have business customers choosing to go to vaccinated hairdressers only. And that's on by. Well, nobody can force anyone. We know that. And we did our our legal piece yesterday with the employment solicitor. Nobody can force anyone to take a, a vaccine. But one wonders as we get more and more people vaccinated, we've seen and heard what's going on in America and it's certainly going on in England. Businesses put signs up saying, that all of our personnel are fully vaccinated because you will have people who will feel more comfortable 
going into, say, a restaurant where they know that everybody working in the restaurant is fully vaccinated. And I imagine the same would be for hairdressers and beauticians. When we get to the stage where more and more people are vaccinated, you probably will start to see businesses put up signs. And then it's it's an individual choice for customers if they want to go to a particular beautician or a hairdresser. It's up to them to decide whether they're vaccinated, whether they want to go to only someone who's vaccinated uh, or not. Uh, but nobody can be forced, absolutely nobody can be forced to take a uh, vaccine. Sandy says, hi Patricia, this is on a completely different topic. This is to do with the silage season and traffic and there is, be very careful when you're out on the roads at the moment because we are right bang in the middle of the silage uh, season. Sandy says, there is a new flashing light system which is fitted to some tractors hauling machinery and silage tra- trailers recently. It's sometimes in addition to the beacons that are already on these tractors. It kind of looks like hazard warning flashers, but they don't flash simultaneously and they can be fitted closer together than the indicators. Sandy says, in in my opinion, they can be confusing. Have others noticed this? A number of my friends feel the same way too and they feel that they could cause an accident and they feel that they should be removed. So I don't know if anybody can explain that to us. A new flashing light system fitted to some tractors. I know the last time we spoke last week or the week before uh, we had the problem with the the massive lights that are on tractors somebody called them ploughing lights somebody else called them working lights that are only meant to be on when they're in the fields but when they come out onto the road you're meant to switch them off because they can be quite blinding for other motorists but I take it this is something completely different a new flashing light system fitted to some uh, tractors and Michael and Mallow was on to say it's mind boggling the way some speed vans are operating and the way they have been parked has anybody else noticed that a lot of these speed vans are parked on climbing lanes parking just within the speed limit. Michael says what he finds frustrating and his his mind is boggled over it is they are parked in areas where there's never been many accidents. Why not have them in actual areas where there has been a record of a lot of serious traffic accidents. They're on straight roads they'll be parked on the climbing lane but they'll be within a speed uh, limit and what's happening then is people are getting caught. Michael said he's heard of mothers going to school in the morning getting caught doing 55 in a 50 mile zone because one of these speed vans was parked just inside the 50 kilometre zone. Never been a major accident on any of these uh, parts. Has anybody else noticed that? And if you think back to when those speed vans were first introduced, we were told at the time that they would be only located in areas where there had been a lot of fatal road accidents. And I think at the start, that's exactly what happened. But I think you're right, Michael. I certainly have seen more of the speed vans in areas where you think, in areas that you would know, and you think, God, I don't ever remember there being road accidents on this or serious road accidents on this stretch of road. But it's it, it's almost a little bit like fishing in a barrel when you see a speed van that's placed on a climbing lane because by the very nature of a climbing lane, you're, you're building up speed to overtake another car and you could get caught out if the speed van is parked just at the top of the climbing lane. Have, have others noticed that? 
1850 John Paul taking your uh, call. Somebody says, Mary, thank you, Mary. Patricia, Specsavers are not taking glasses at the moment. It's due to COVID, but they've told me to hang on to them for some time uh, that they will be, it'll be, it'll come back again. Okay, that's good to hear, all right, and I don't want the Specsavers branches inundated with people arriving in. So, okay, they're not taking it at the moment due to uh, COVID, but if you hang on to the glasses and if, as soon as you hear, Mary, that they are back taking, accepting those used glasses again. Could you let us know? It would be great. We'll be able to pass it on to other listeners. If you've got a pet question, get it into us, please. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the court. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Work Today replay on C103. We're off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where our resident vet, Jane Pickett, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. Straight in with questions. Tess uh, has WhatsApp just to say, could you ask Jane, please, are there any offers out at the moment for, the, for neutering of cats? I know this comes up every now and again at various times during the year. There's offers on for neutering of cats. Any at the moment? Not that I'm aware of. And to be honest, there hasn't been many of my knowledge in our local area, certainly in the last several years. Um, sometimes charities will do, let's say, feral cat, so trap neuter release schemes, but they're very variable when they happen and it wouldn't normally apply to, let's say, pets that are owned. Um, that said, it's really important to consider getting your cat spayed and neutered, so whether they're female or male, because we really do need to control the feral cat population that's out there. So each little cat has the, the possibility to you know, create several progeny that then go on to get pregnant and, and it just spirals. So I think one cat can the, that's left unneutered can essentially be responsible for almost hundreds of thousands of cats that um, are part of their bloodline. So it's really important to, to spay and neuter. Speak to your local vet about the options. But the one thing I would say is 
with cats spaying and neutering it is a surgical procedure and a lot of things go into making sure it's conducted safely um, to keep your pet comfortable and obviously that the surgery is done in a sterile and safe manner and that requires a lot of staff a lot of equipment surrounding it so a lot of things do kind of contribute to the cost of it and um, so it's really important to remember that it is a, a full-blown surgical procedure and that most vets do really provide quite good value for what we are providing um, but certainly ask your vet if there are any schemes locally um, and, and they may know something in your local area but okay. I'm not aware of any at the moment. Okay and now somebody sent me on a, a lovely picture of a, a fine looking badger I have to say very healthy looking badger Uh, advice please from Jane how do you look after a young badger that is coming into my garden during the day I thought they only came out at night but this badger is constantly foraging in the grass can we feed the badger and if so with what and what do you do for it is at the end of the day a wild animal do you know, Patricia, I'm going to have to put my hands up and 100% honestly say I haven't got a notion. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not something I've encountered before. Certainly, badgers are very private creatures and they tend to kind of muddle off and do their own business and stay as far away from, from humans and civilization as they can. Um, so it wouldn't be something I'd have any particular experience in. So I wouldn't want to give out the wrong information. Now I can try and find out a little bit more for next week, okay, perhaps. Please but do. I, I wouldn't want to say the wrong thing. So maybe check on line wildlife uh, department or something somebody might Mm -hmm. because I know with hedgehogs it's dog food isn't it they they suggest yeah so it's cat food essentially Um, but yeah with badgers I I know they do eat a variety of different things but what would be let's say nutritionally appropriate for them I wouldn't be exactly certain without doing a little bit of research he would just in the photograph I've seen he does look very healthy sometimes we can leave wildlife alone because I know I did an Mm -hmm. interview about that earlier on in the year about people picking up wildlife thinking that they've been abandoned and they hadn't and you can actually cause more problems and people are doing it out of kindness Exactly, and we and we see that quite a lot. Um, let's say with members of the public bringing in, let's say, wildlife that might be in distress, and sometimes they are very much in distress, and we're very appreciative that they have been brought in or brought to the attention of the relevant charities. Um, but sometimes I think it's really important just to maybe double check online, do a little bit of googling, have a, be mindful of the source that you're using online for the information as well that it's uh, reputable. But sometimes, depending on the species and their age of development, there are sometimes where they they can be left. Um, and, and kind of left away from their mums and dads, particularly young. And that's a way of kind of teaching them to cope with the outside world for brief periods. Mm. So it's really important to just double check because it really does depend on the species and the age as to what their normal behaviour is. OK, and I don't know if this is your expertise or not, if you can help out Peter. Could you ask Jane, please? We have been given a snake. He was fed before we got him, but he just won't eat. We have bought rats for him, but we've had to throw them out after a day because obviously they went off. Oh. Are you expertise in snakes? Exotics is not my mainstay of clinical practice. Let's put it like that. What I will say is that snakes, some some species, they are fed very infrequently and they they kind of won't eat unless it is kind of their, they physiologically need it. It's very variable by the species. So without knowing a bit more detail about the snake itself, and to be honest, on my part, a bit of research about that species, I, I wouldn't be able to give a give an honest answer. What I would say is speak to your local vet. If exotics is something they're comfortable with, then fine. But 
to be honest with you, a lot of vets in general practice, it wouldn't be our area that we would feel comfortable with. It's generally something that, let's say, somebody with advanced qualifications would feel more at home with. But they may be able to refer you on to somebody who has, let's say, extra qualifications or more experience with exotics. So it's really important to have veterinary care in place. But that, generally speaking, does happen with some breeds of snake. They'll only eat Can do. maybe once a week or whatever. It could be just that he's not hungry yet. Now, why somebody exactly. get... I'd love to know the bigger story behind that. Who gave you a snake? Good God. If somebody mm. arrived at my door with a snake. Anyway, uh, let's leave that aside. My cat, says another listener, is going bald just around her eyes. An eight-year-old cat. What could be causing that? Okay, so bald just around the eyes is actually quite an unusual presentation. Um, it could potentially be a problem with the eyes themselves and there might be kind of some itching, scratching or face rubbing going on in that region and it's manifesting as hair loss. Um, but there are some actually interesting conditions that are primarily to do with the skin that can cause hair loss periocularly, so just around the eyes. And sometimes they can be defects in how the hair grows and maintains, or sometimes it can even be hormonal. So this could be very simple, could just be associated with the eyes and would certainly require veterinary attention, or it could be a bit more of a complex dermatological condition. This is one I would definitely visit your vet about because that doesn't sound normal at all. And getting to the bottom of that might be a little bit of a challenge, but I'm sure your vet will be able to help you there. Michelle in Bandon, my dog got a bite from a tick. It was about 10 days ago on her ear. But now I'm fearful that the tick's head is still in the ear as a lump on the ear has developed. What should I do? It's a six-month-old pup, a Tibetan Spaniel. Okay. So um, the first thing I would do is I would say if 10 days on, there is a bit of swelling at the site where the tick was removed from, I would visit your vet in this case. Um, it may be that there are head or leg or mouth parts remaining um, inside the skin that are causing a local tissue reaction. Um, sometimes as well, these, these kind of post-tick bite inflammations are quite prone to getting infected as well. And sometimes they do require medicine to, to try and settle that infection or inflammation down. And sometimes not. Um, I think without seeing it, it's a little bit difficult to say. But what I would say in the background of all of this is well done for recognising that there was a tick there. But the really important thing to do is make sure that your background preventative care for ticks is up to date. So I would normally recommend, particularly in our local area, there's lots of beautiful woodland, beautiful countryside is something we're blessed with in this country. Um, and it is a hot spot for ticks. Um, so I would say that every dog that goes out and about, if they have any contact with anything that's not, let's say, a purely urban area like a city or a town, if they ever visit the countryside, they should definitely have tick cover as part of their routine preventative parasite treatment. Um, so speak to your vet about getting that sorted to prevent any, any further problems because ticks can actually cause quite a lot of serious diseases. Um, so things like babesiosis, ehrlichosis, so lots of really serious infectious diseases can be transmitted by ticks. So it's really important to make sure that you have preventative care in place to, to minimise the chances of that happening to your, to your pet. OK, Laura's two-year-old Labrador has gone off its food for the last two days, is drinking, is alert, seems to be in good form. Could it just be a bit of a tummy upset? just be a bit of a tummy upset and if he's otherwise bright and well and drinking then that's a little bit reassuring however two days is kind of tipping the point at which i begin to get quite concerned really usually with dogs and cats it can take quite a lot for them to actually just 100% go off their food because they're kind of pre-programmed to really just make sure make sure that they're always eating um so it does sound like there may be something amiss it could just be a simple tummy bug or something that's upset um but if he's showing no other outward signs and he doesn't start eating today i definitely would 
start thinking about visiting your vet just to make sure that there's not something brewing that's going to cause problems later but certainly as well we all need food and energy to keep us ticking along nicely and certainly with dogs and cats um they're small small animals they don't have a lot of let's say hydration and energy reserves generally if they're in normal condition so it is really important to act on these things early so i i would i will be thinking about visiting your vet at this point okay we'll leave it there thank you for that we'll chat again next week jane thanks for joining Perfect. us good afternoon thank that is you. jane pickett of the islandwood veterinary hospital in newmarket part of the mill street veterinary group well, that's where i've got to leave you for today thanks to john paul for producing nick richards as well next we'll talk to you tomorrow 10 to them trish Mister. good afternoon take care of yourself Work today on c103 with sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.